Hi, and welcome to Royal Free Private Patients Unit Podcast. Here, we will be inviting our consultant and ask them questions about health topics and the latest treatments. I'm Stina Alberg. In our very first episode, I'm delighted to welcome our guest, Dr. Nick Kotromanus, consultant ophthalmology from the Royal Free Hospital, who will help us to answer some of the most important questions surrounding how critical it is to look after our eyes. A very timely topic as the country celebrates the National Eye Health Awareness Week. Dr. Kotromanis is leading ophthalmic who currently sees private patients at the Royal Free in London. He has special expertise in adult and pediatric ophthalmic plastic, as well as reconstructive eyelid, orbital and lacrim surgery. He also leads the NHS Ophthalmic Service in Enfield, Barnet and Edgware and the Emergency Ophthalmology Section at the Royal Free Hospital. Can you tell us a few words about your work and your particular message from this year's National Eye Health Week? Thank you. Thank you, Stina. So the, the National um, Eye Health Week is a great initiative. Um, it traditionally, almost every year, deals with the usual suspects of eye disease, which is glaucoma, cataract, macular degeneration. These are the main and important things because they affect millions in, in the country and around the world. But for this same reason, they also receive an awful lot of airtime. Um, what we do is, is is slightly different and less popular in that respect. So uh, all eye doctors deal with uh, the main aspects, the, the conditions I just mentioned, but we all have an area of expertise that we just deal with in, in exclusivity, and we call this subspecialization. So it's basically a close focus and an exclusive management approach to a particular aspect of eye conditions. So mine is looking after the health and the function and the structure and and effectively the appearance as well of the bits around your eye, which in turn, they are there to keep the eye safe. So by and large, these are the eyelids, the muscles around the eye, the bones around the eye, the tear ducts, the eyebrows, and so on. So it's all the little things, all the little tissues that keep, that make our eye safe. Um, and for us to do this, we train both in ophthalmology, which is eye surgery, as well as plastic surgery. So we end up being labeled oculoplastic surgeons. That's a, that's a small group of people in the UK. Um, we are effectively the plastic surgeons of the eye. So why, why am I saying this? Because I thought I would seize the opportunity of your, of your team asking me for, for this podcast to, to, um, to, to highlight certain conditions that we in particular deal with. Um, so we can focus with, on something a little bit different in this eye health week. So, so let's see, how, how do we look after this part of our eyes? When it comes to, to this area, the, there's a lot of evidence that, for example, what you eat, uh, whether it contains lots of antioxidants or not, can affect the quality of your vision and the health of your eyes. We also know that diet and exercise is good because of, of uh, the obvious, obvious uh, things around blood sugar and so on. Um, we have shown, for example, that broadleaf greens or broccoli or oily fish can very much uh, help with the, the health uh, of the eyes and prevent, for example, retinal disease. What we know in terms of uh, plastic surgery is that smoking is a particularly uh, problematic uh, habit if you're interested in maintaining those soft tissues around the eye uh, for them to then uh, protect your eye. Um, it, it's bad because it creates thinning and, uh, and, and, and loses elasticity around the skin. And that means that A, you end up with potentially baggy skin, stretched skin, which can lead to obstruction of vision or watery eyes, 
that in itself can then read onto skin conditions, headaches, and so on. Uh, but also bad quality of the skin or poor quality of the skin can increase the risk of you developing tumors around the eyelid. And tumors around the eyelid is a, is a fairly complex and fairly common thing that we deal with. Um, smoking also, for example, affects the way that wounds heal. For our patients who have skin surgery around the eyes, smoking uh, cessation is very important in the management or radically reducing your smoking prior to any surgery, be it around the eyes or not, will uh, very much improve the way that your scars heal. So we, when we come to educate patients on other aspects of managing their eyelids or the, 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 the tissues around the eyes, I think sun cream comes up quite high. Partly, as far as I'm concerned, par partly why we see so many tumors growing around the skin of the eyes because we're not very good at putting SPF protection around the eyelid. For obvious reasons, it stings. But, um, uh, but you know, some attention in that is, is definitely uh, important, along with moisturizers. So moisturizers around the skin of the eye will mean that your eye will maintain the elasticity for longer. Your eyelid skin will, will age less quickly, and that will protect all those symptoms that you can get around the eyes. Um, and it's not just the skin, it's also, for example, the ligaments that control the tightness uh, of, the, um, of the eyelid, the tear duct, and so on. Other than that, I would say that being gentle uh, while cleaning your eyes and applying or taking away makeup or even putting your contact lenses on and off can have an effect. So it's not just once, but if someone wears contact lenses and for decades after decades, they, they pull the eyelid down uh, or stretch it around too much, that is seen to have an effect on the position of the eyelid and how big the eye is. Protection, uh, DIY protection, wearing goggles, preventing injuries around the eyes, of course, is, is an important factor. So you see there's lots of little things that we can yeah. do to improve not so much the eyeball itself uh, around diet and smoking and exercise, but also the tissues around the eye. And this is where we come in. Yeah, I was going to check. Do you see a lot of issues or more damaged skin around the eyes of people who have been wearing a lot of makeup for a lot of years? You know, the, 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 the makeup industry, uh, the cosmetics industry is extremely sophisticated. So we see very little in terms of allergies, sensitivities, and so on around makeup. Patients are often worried and ask me, can I use this? Can I use that? How soon after surgery? Within a week after any eyelid operation, most makeup is, is acceptable to wear. Okay. And there's very few times um, that we see an obvious sensitivity to that. So it's hard to know conclusively if using certain types of makeup will age your eye because you need to do a prospective long, long uh, study to see that. But my feeling is that it probably does not have a huge, huge effect. Okay. No. Uh, so what can we do to look after our eyes in relation to the condition you treat? So I think the main things are what I just mentioned. So protecting the skin around the eyes with moisturizers, protecting it with, from the sun. When we go on holiday, rapid burn around the skin can cause significant problems to both the shape um, of the eyelid and its function. And of course, we know that the eyeball itself and the retina should not be exposed to, to significant uh, radiation. So sunglasses, big sunglasses are useful. The the body is designed to to withstand this, so it's important for people not to get the idea that the eyes are ultra sensitive. But some love is 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 necessary if we want to to reduce the way that the eyes age. In the cosmetic uh, surgery um, industry, the, the 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 reason why the eyes are the first that that go, as so many people tell me, is because of the sensitivity of the skin. Um, and the rapid movement, the eyelid blinks thousands of times every day. So it's something that has to move very quickly and, and very smoothly around the eye in order to protect it. 
in terms of um, the, the one other aspect of the of the health of the eye health week is is screening. Screening is an important factor in medicine. Screening usually suggests that you assess normal population to find common conditions. Screening in in the oculoplastic uh, arena isn't so big, but monitoring is. So there are lots of examples where monitoring comes into play in, in keeping the patient's uh, eyes and eyelids safe. Um, and uh, usually you will find that a diagnosis has already been made by your ophthalmologist before monitoring or, or screening, if you like to call it, has been advised. So children, for example, with droopy eyelids, even if the, the, the droop is mild, they will have been identified as uh, the population that needs to be monitored very closely for changes in the vision. And that's something that we deal a lot with uh, in the oculoplastic uh, surgery practice. If at, at the age of uh, six or so, or in, you know, we in children of up to about the age of six or so, if the vision is is reduced due to a droopy eyelid, then this needs to be addressed surgically and pretty quickly if you are to prevent uh, irreversible sight loss. Um, another aspect of screening, which is important in the oculoplastic field, is lumps, growths, and lesions around the eyelid. So we see a lot of those and we remove a lot of those. Um, skin tumors, as I said before, are very common in the area around the eye and, and uh, not just because of the, of the exposure to, to the sun, but also because the skin around the eye is very sophisticated in terms of its structures, it little, lump, little uh, lymph nodes and, and little glands and so on. And all of those things can go wrong and create a tumor. So all of us grow lumps around the eye, the the important thing is to, to, to remember that most of them are benign. Statistically speaking, more things are healthy in the body than unhealthy. But things that change, that continue to enlarge or that they bleed or that your doctor has uh, suggested that you monitor need to be monitored. And when we are in, uh, in doubt, we would um, remove them um, to ensure that they are safe. So new lesions should be assessed by a specialist. And all lesions that you've had for, for a very long time, if they change in... In, in darkness or in size, get them checked. Is there a specific age where this is more common? So the older you get, the more... So so that's a good question, actually. The, the, the commonest thing that grows around the eyelid is what we call a calasion or a sty. So it's your classic little bump that you grow. And the commonest age for this is, is in childhood. So when we see children with, with lumps on the eyelid, you almost always, but of course not always, know that this is a benign problem. It may not be benign in the sense that it's very swollen, that the, the eyelid may be droopy and therefore it needs addressing because of the vision being poor, but it does not suggest a tumor. There are obviously exceptions, but almost uh, always, you know, you cannot say never. As you grow older, then this is replaced in frequency by lumps that are more to do with degeneration of the tissues. Um, and eventually tumors, which of course are, is what you're trying to, 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 to find out and to pick out, um, are commoner in the older age, like with tumors yeah. in, in every other area. So these things uh, should be, should be checked out. But like I said before, one is, it's important for one to remember that it's much more common than what you have growing on your eyelids, a benign thing and not a malignant, but awareness, uh, and education is, is required to pick out the problematic ones. Can you talk to us about uh, an aspect of eye health or eye uh, which has become an issue in particular during this pandemic? The pandemic um, has created mainly problems due to the reduced presentation of patients. There are lots of patients who I wanted to see and my colleagues wanted to see in clinic, but for obvious reasons have either 
try to avoid coming to hospital or they've had other reasons why they, they haven't been able to come to hospital or because we haven't been able to serve them due to the demands uh, in, on the NHS side. Um, and that is a bad thing. So anything that was uh, what was important for us to monitor has been to a degree compromised uh, here and there. In terms of activities of daily living, in terms of what the pandemic has done to the population uh, to create eye problems, interestingly, by far the commonest I have seen in my private practice is dry eye symptoms. So dry symptoms are very common. People who live in big cities like London suffer from that due to the quality of air and the quality of life and, and the activities of our lifestyle and so on. But um, but it seems to have got worse. Why? It's, it's hard to know. But... Um, I have certain theories. For example, the people have been working from home a lot more. That means that they have been often working in in in, in positions, body positions, not ideal, not as in their offices. Um, anxiety around work has gone up. People have spent more hours working, for sure, uh, in a lot of uh, office works. And, for example, we have shown that the number of times a patient blinks is affected by how how much you concentrate on something. So it's it's been shown that if you are, say, cooking or if you are walking around your dog, then your blink rate is, let's say, X number of times per minute. It's the normal rate. If you are focusing on an Excel spreadsheet, for example, or if you're trying to write a presentation for your boss, we have seen that the blink rate, the number of times you blink per minute, goes massively down. Now that means that you really increase the chances of dryness. Your eyelid is like a tiny little wiper. It wipes the eye surface and it keeps it wet. And every time it blinks, it, it wet, wets it again. So, so when this red goes down, your cornea dries out. When your cornea, the glass of the eye dries out, you start having dry eye symptoms. And that can be a bit of redness. It can be uh, stingy eyes or itchy eyes by the end of the day. Your eyelids droop and you want to close them and so on. Um, and and it's, it can be very disproportional to, to the severity of the problem. Patients can feel that there's a major problem. I've had this happen to me and it felt particularly wrong. It felt like someone was stabbing my eyes even though I knew it was just dryness. So we see a lot of that. And simple educational tips like, for example, taking regular breaks from work, walking uh, around or even looking, if you live in an apartment, looking outside the window for a bit, changing your focal point, remembering to blink more, more normally can help. Keeping your, your your monitor, your TV or your screen from your laptop lower than the position of your eyes will also help. Your eyes tend to be tend to blink a little bit more readily when you look a little downward uh, than if you're looking up. So I wouldn't want people to necessarily keep the screen above the level of their eyes. Um, and using dry eye drops. Using dry eyes does not mean you have a disease. It's a bit like using hand cream if you have dry hands in the winter. It's something that's nice. And if you spend lots of hours in front of a screen, or, for example, lots of hours uh, driving a car for work, then using dry eye drops will make your eyes less dry and they will make them safer and also feel better. Um, it doesn't mean that if you have dry eyes, uh, you have a serious underproduction or some autoimmune problem. It just means that you may want to have little tweaks on your, on your lifestyle uh, decisions. And another thing is blepharitis, which is a little sister syndrome uh, of, the, of the dry eye. Again, a, an extremely common condition. Low-grade inflammation of the eyelids just behind the eyelash roots means that often patients find or individuals find that the, the, the eyelids can turn a little red. Again, you can have some stinging or itching by the end of the day. The sensation that you want to keep your eyes closed, perhaps a little bit of discharge. Again, this has got a little worse with the pandemic for probably similar reasons as, as the dryness. And uh, just doing a search on how to manage the, the, the blepharitis or the lid margin and doing hot compressors can really do miracles. 
a lot of people working from home can really relate to that one. Yeah, getting things checked before they concern individuals is not a bad idea. Most times people are fine, but of course you, you have to, to pick out the problematic cases and, uh, the, and, and there's nothing better than just checking. If you were to go um, to checking GP. with your GP yeah. or, or checking with your specialist eye doctor, and we shouldn't forget the role of optometry uh, in in the UK. It's a, it's a very necessary layer of protection. The optometrists are very well trained, and they will know when to send you to us and when not to. Um, so that's useful. Yeah, I've learned things that I definitely did not know before. That it is very important to take care of your eyes, even when you don't have a problem, to prevent issues in the future. That was very helpful. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Katamanis, for Great. coming and educating us uh, on the eye health. Thank you very much. If you wish to see Dr. Katamanis, you may reach us through royalfreeprivatepatients.com. The content of the podcast is intended to provide information only and do not replace a consultation with appropriate qualified health professional. If you have concerns or questions about your health, please contact your GP. Thank you for listening to this podcast.